Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. We were going to start a brand new message series today called Made for Mondays, and and we're going to be talking about how um, God created us and designed us and wants to work in our lives beyond the Sunday morning experience that we have in church. In fact, the Sunday morning experience in church is really not what it's all about at all. The Sunday mornings are really, you know, they're more of the rally that we then leave to go out and actually play the game. And so we're actually going to bounce that message series back to next week, and we're going to be talking about God's plan and purpose for you and how you can begin to discover that and live that out. Uh, But today we're going to talk about something a little different. Several months ago, um, if you were here, you heard us begin talking about Royal Family Kids Camp. And we started recruiting volunteers to be part of Royal Family Kids Camp. And basically what Royal Family Kids is this. It's it's a week-long camp that is put on uh, at a campground for foster kids in our community and in our region. And the goal of it is to get any kids who are elementary school age to come and be part of this free camp, totally free to them, and to just spend a week completely treating them like royalty. These are kids who come from very difficult and challenging backgrounds, um, kids who have gone through things that would make your hair stand on end, even as an adult, that you know many of us have never had to face in our lives. And the purpose of the camp is just to love them and to just lavish a love and extravagant love on these kids. And so, so Royal Family Kids is something we've been building up to, we've been very excited about. We've had a team of volunteers who are going to be part of it. And it happened last week. So last week was our, our Royal Family Kids camp. Uh, my wife and my oldest daughter, who's 16, they w- went to the camp. Uh, you got to be 16 to be part of it. And they went, and so I stayed home with the other two. And we just ate horrible, unhealthy food all week. Like, I don't know if there's a single meal that I didn't buy at a restaurant or fast food because I'm a bad dad. But, but today, um, we're gonna, I wanted to take a moment to kind of hear about the things that God was doing at Royal Family Kids because I'll tell you this, as Terry was calling me throughout the week and telling me stories, and I actually even had an opportunity to drive down there this week and spend a little time on the campground and, and see a little bit of what they were doing and what God was doing. What, what happened, and the stories that they shared with me were so powerful, I wasn't even there for the whole week, and, and yet my heart has just been wrecked over what's happened to these kids, uh, over the opportunities that, that we had to invest in these kids this last week, and even thinking about our opportunities to invest in some of these kids in the future. And so I just really felt it was important enough that I wanted to, to present to you um, that some of these incredible stories about what God has done and what God can do through us. So today I'm going to have my wife Terry come up. She was at camp and she she ran all of the 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 services and the teaching of the kids. And so what she's what we're going to do is she's going to share some for her heart and what she experienced and then we got some of our other volunteers who are part of Royal Family Kids and they're going to share some of their experiences as well. Um, because I, I think it's super important. So I just want to prepare you in advance, okay? This is a Kleenex Sunday. Okay? So if you need a hanky or a Kleenex, you may want to pull it out now because Today will punch you in the feels, uh, but, but I think that it's, it's in all the right ways, in all the right ways, because this is something God wants us to be aware of, and I think this is God's heart, and so it's super important that we share this with you. So will you guys please welcome my wife, Terry. Whew. Okay, everybody. Well, it was a week. It was, I was very excited. I was honestly pretty nervous to get in front of these kids um, because I knew that I was the Bible teacher and like, like it was me. If I wasn't, if I did a bad job, then like 
fail on camp, so no pressure, Shandro. Uh, but it was, it was wonderful. Um, basically, what we did is there was a camp uh, for the kids, and they would come, and we treated them like royalty, and dun, dun, there it is. Um, I got to tell all of these children, listen, you were made by design. When you were swimming around in your mommy's tummy, God was knitting you together. Every little detail of your being is by his design, and he loves you lavishly. And because he made you and he took such care in making you, you are royalty because Jesus is the king of all kings, and you're his. So therefore, you are royal, and we are going to treat you like royalty all week. Um, one of the cool things that we do is they get a luxury, one of the really nice charter buses. I might need, whoop, okay. Do I need to get a different mic? Is this one going to be, okay. Um, they put them on, they all over at First Assembly of God, all of the kids gathered and were dropped off there and they were picked up in a charter bus. And then the charter bus takes them on over to the campground and when they, when they get to the campground, all of the counselors are there waiting and they have decorated the rooms with streamers and whatever just to make it special and their name is on their bed and their name is in their room and there were blankets, these really sweet soft fuzzy blankets that had stitched and bordered on it. I'm, you know, I'm royal, we are royals and they got to take all that home um, and their counselors were there waiting when the bus pulls up and they're all, they have their name of their, of their campers and they're cheering for them and um, so that's, there was just amazing things. We did a birthday party. We were like, we're not going to be able to be with you on your real birthday, so today is everybody's birthday. And um, uh, actually, the Wilbur Group made a donation that paid for, there were amazing inflatables, uh, face painters, uh, a really, really cool balloon artist uh, there. There was birthday cake. Each kid uh, got a great big present. It was this really cool building block set that was really unique. And then they all got, um, it's called a Playaway. It's like an MP3 player. And it had on this uh, mp3 player it had every song that we sang at camp and when uh when the kids opened those up like honestly if i'm being honest i was like an mp3 player that's kind of junky whatever like it they were amazing the kids were amazed and so excited and they didn't want to take those things out um and it was it was a phenomenal week so i know um that i want to convey a lot of what god is speaking to me um, to you all, but I also know that I can't just stand here and cry, because that will not work. Um, so, um, I want to give some honor uh, to the people who came and served with me. Um, would you all come on up, if uh, my volunteers who were there at camp? I want to tell you, these folks all served as counselors. Well, Cameron, Cameron wasn't a counselor, because you have to be 18 to be a counselor, but let me just give you an idea um, the counselors have two children that are there with all the time. Um, and so they're with them at Bible story. They're with them doing activities. There's all kinds of activities at the campground. And basically, the idea is during activity time is we want to be able to tell these kids, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to go boating? And they say, yes, and, and we'll take them boating. Or they want to go play archery, or they want to go just whatever. So they're with the kids, playing with the kids, investing in the kids all day. And then they get a break. But let me tell you about their break. Was it a break? 
<laughs> on break time, see, these kids don't have standard, you know, traditional families where you've got family pictures on the wall or you've got pictures from vacation or any of that. And so they, we have a team of photographers. We had two photographers who were taking pictures of everything. And then we had a gal who was really, really, really into scrapbooking, and she decided that every kid needed a scrapbook, not just a photo book. So on their break... They would take, and they would come into the break room, they would grab their snack or whatever, and then they would go get the file with their kids' names on it, and it was full of photos. And they would sit, and they would trim the photos, and they would stick them and make, like, did you know that Logan Clarenson is an expert scrapbooker? He's really good at it. He's really good at it. So these guys were working and giving and investing from sunup to sundown, and on their break, they were writing notes. They, needed to, they wrote two letters to each of their kids each day and did a scrapbook. So, like, it was the most selfless week um, and a very exhausting week, but I would say it was all worth it. So, anyway, I want to give them um, an opportunity to share some of their stories, and then uh, I'll finish up. We'll start with Logan. So, uh, as she said, I had two campers. I had two six-year-old boys. Uh, they were the most amazing boys I could ask for. Um, one of them had, had a pretty sp uh, severe speech impediment, um, which was kind of, a, kind of a wall to tear down for him. But God came and gave me that discernment to be able to, to translate what he was saying uh, throughout the week. Um, but as Terry was saying, we got to do pretty much whatever they wanted. Their big thing uh, for my boys was fishing. Um, and it was to take, I mean, any, any dads out there to know to take a, your young boy fishing is just one of those moments that they can hold on to. Uh, one of them, the one with the speech impediment, had never, he had never been fishing before. He had never caught any fish. And on the first day, we caught two or three fish. Um, we actually caught turtles, catfish. I mean, they're just, their eyes were just, just amazed when they caught these first fish. Um, but throughout the week, there was just those little tiny moments, uh, whether it was fishing, taking them on their first canoe ride. Um, the, the last show is what I really want to talk about. The last night, we did like a talent show. Um, one of the little boys had never played guitar before. We didn't really practice throughout the week playing guitar. He was like, hey, I want to play guitar for the talent show. I'm like, all right, I'll get up there and play, uh, play guitar with you. So I was kind of fretting the guitar as he was strumming along, and then everyone cheered, and he got up. And uh, the, the last little boy... Um, Throughout the week, every, every, uh, every night he would exercise. And I'm not talking like, you guys have a six-year-old boy. I mean, most of their exercises aren't too, you know, it's like maybe a jumping jack. I mean, he would knock out like 10, 15 push-ups, sit-ups, and do jumping jacks. So he's like, I want to do 25 push-ups, uh, 25 jumping jacks, and 25 sit-ups in two and a half minutes. And I'm like, oh, okay, I can barely do that. Um, but he did. He knocked it out, and uh, it was great. And then afterwards, that, that last night, we're talking. And I was like, hey, you've exercised all week. Um, you know, you're really into it. And I was like, you know what, why, why kind of you exercising? And uh, part of his, his story is uh, he, he wanted to exercise uh, so he could, he could protect his older siblings when he had to go back home because most of these kids, when they go back home, it's, it's not to an easy situation. And, and him in particular, in, in three or four months, he's got to go back to a situation that he could be put in a situation where he needs, as the youngest, he's got to protect his siblings. And uh, it, it really... It, it was a great, it was a great experience, but it was one of those bittersweet things when we got to see him go Friday because we don't, uh, we don't get to take any photos, we don't get to take, you know, there's no selfies with them. This is all, this is all just in their memory. But as she said, those memory books really came, really came in handy. Okay, you have to talk crying. Thanks, Logan. I'm not crying. You're crying. Okay, Cameron. And this is my daughter, Cameron, and she was um, a support staff, and she was out there playing with the kids like all day. And I would be like, I think we're gonna take a break now, and I'd be like, Hey, Cameron, do you wanna? 
and she'd be, she was gone. She was, like, with the kids all the time. I was really proud of you. Okay, share. Okay, so we were actually, registration started at uh, First Assembly, and um, so they'd register, and then they'd come in the gym, and the second girl who came in, me and my mom sat down, and we talked to her, and we talked to her about school, and um, it got into, she got into um, some of her background in her home life, and she had told us, she said, um, I don't get to, I don't live with my mom, she said, my dad's in jail, and I don't like my dad because he did nasty things to me, and that was just, it was really heartbreaking. The first thing, like, their walls were coming down, like, five minutes into this camp, not, like, before we even got to the campground, and I just, I was kind of, like, observing her from a distance, and she didn't really seem to walk with just a lot of confidence, and I don't know, I don't think she really felt like she was beautiful, and on the second day, the girls had a tea party, and at the tea party, what they would do is we bought um, all these dresses that the girls got to pick out, and we bought makeup for them to put on, and this girl, like, she came out, and she had this beautiful purple dress on and, like, purple eyeshadow on, and she had a crown in her hair, and, like, I was just in awe. Like, it, she was just so beautiful, and, like, she just walked with so much just confidence and with just so much dignity, and, like, it made me so happy. Like, we have a girl who comes from, like, any adult who's told her she's beautiful has used her. But at camp, all the adults who are telling her she's beautiful are telling her she's beautiful because that's what God says about her. And we're telling her she's beautiful not because we're going to use her, but because she is beautiful, and that's who God says, says she is. This is the last second little story that I got to experience. There's a little girl named Caitlin who she was just a ball of energy if you were at camp. She, like, anytime we do worship, she'd come up. Like, before we even, like, taught the worship motions, she's like, I want to come up and do motions. Like, it was awesome. And on the first day, I was walking down the hallways, and the counselors had decorated the rooms the night before for all the kids. And Caitlin saw her name with right over her bed, and she was sitting on her bed, and she was just screaming and crying. And, like, I came in thinking, oh, my gosh, someone's having a meltdown. Something awful is happening. But she was just, like, crying and smiling and screaming. She's like, I've never had my own room before. And, like, it has my name on it, and it's mine. And, look, I got this Bible and this teddy bear and this blanket. And she was just going on about how happy she was. And, like, even when we were decorating, like, the night before, I was like, it's just decorations. Like, it's really not that big of a deal. But, like, it is. For someone who's never had a place that they can call their own and that they've been able to personalize, it's a big deal. And so that was just so wonderful. And there were so many wonderful moments, like, like every day. So, yeah. Good job, Cameron. Yeah, the tea party was pretty amazing. We had, um, there were... They would get them on a golf cart and carry them, uh, ride the golf cart from the from the dorms over to where the tea party was, and there were twinkle lights everywhere, and we just decorated out to the nines. And then there were a couple men there dressed in full three-piece suits in the heat, <laughs> and they would give offer them their arm and escort them in. And the girls, just the way that they carried themselves, there was such grace and such um, beauty that just shined and beamed. It was it was amazing. Okay, sorry, Grace, go ahead. 
So when before we got our campers, we got a little bio card, and both my girls had like the same description with draws, lies, and on the back of one of them, the parents asked that I work on them participating and just interacting with kids, and that scared me because I was like, like how hard do I push? Am I pushing too much, or what if I'm not pushing enough? And she's just waiting for someone to care enough to encourage her. But God knew what he was doing, and he placed my two girls together. And from the moment they got off the bus, they were like best friends. I never had to referee fights between them. Even when they had free times and were biking, they were always right together. So I didn't have to fear or be nervous about anything because God was in control. He just needed me to say yes to be there, to have a room to supervise them so that their friendship can grow. And she didn't participate in everything, but when she did, she was there with her friend. So... Her foster parents' goals were met not through what we did, but through what God did. And I just want to brag on all of these guys. They were amazing. Cameron got into a kayak that got filled with, like, it was half filled with water because she let her take her under the fountain, like, 70 times. <laughs> like, they were troopers, and it was so amazing. And if you guys have any hesitations, like, you should come. You should volunteer in any way because your life will be just as changed as the kids' lives are changed. Thanks, Grace. You're a rock star. All right, you ready, Sydney? Sydney was the queen of uh, the camp. She can do gymnastics. Like, I won't make you do a cartwheel or a backflip right now, but she can. And every girl wanted to do gymnastics with Sydney, and I, I, was, very I was very proud of all of you. But anyway, Sydney, take it away. Okay, so I know when I first signed up for this camp, I was like, all right, it's not that big a deal. It's just kids. I can work with kids. It's fine. And then I remember coming to training, and they, they kind of scare you a little bit. They're like, this could happen, or this could happen, or this could happen. And I wasn't, like, nervous, like, the first couple months. But, like, after that weekend, I was like, oh, shoot, like, what's going to happen? And I just remember getting to camp, and I don't want to use, like, the word, they oh, they were just, like, normal kids. But, like, they're just kids. Like, they want to joke around. They want to have fun. They want to tease you and stuff. And so um, a lot of my girls, I was, like, a buddy counselor, so I bounced between, like, a couple rooms. And just, like, they just want to hang out and joke around. And uh, I know a lot of the girls, they want to do my hair because, as you can see, I have a lot of hair. Um, and so one of my girls, she was, like, really just, like, pulling it tight and, like, braiding and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And I just was like, man, I'm grateful when I was younger. My mom was always tearing a brush through my hair because if I'd had, like, a tender scalp, I would have been <laughs> in pain that week. So my hair was, like, crazy all week because they were always doing it. Um, but just really, I got along so well with all the girls. I had like a lot in common. Um, I'm very like Pinteresty and crafty and like all my girls want to do crafts. I'm like, yes, let's sit in the air conditioning and make some stuff. That's what I want to do. <laughs> so I was, I was very blessed because I was like, yeah, let's paint some rocks. I would do this in my free time. Um, and then I had one, one of my other girls, her name was Anaya, and she was one of our more difficult campers. And I don't know, I wouldn't say I had a hard time with her because it wasn't really hard to be around any of the kids, but she would just get upset and she would kind of throw a tantrum and walk away. And I know one of her main issues was she was like, she was hungry, she wanted a snack. And like, we had like a birthday party day and she was like mad because we filled them with all kinds of sugar. And she's like, I need real food, I need a real snack. And so like half the time we were just like tracking down snacks for her. And I'm like, girl, I get it, I want a snack too, you know? <laughs> and like the other thing she wanted to do, she was tired, she wanted to go to bed early. I'm like, this girl wants snacks, she wants to go to bed early. I'm like, I mean, I feel like all the counselors were kind of feeling that, so I'm like, sure, we can do that, honey. Yeah, let's go get a snack. I'll have a snack, too. Um, but it just was a really great week, and I don't know. I feel like the biggest kind of not takeaway that I had, but, like, it wasn't hard to be at camp. It wasn't hard to love these kids because they just want love and they just want attention, and you're just hanging out all week. I think definitely the hardest part for me was just coming home on Friday night, and you have to see the kids leave, and I know we kind of talked about similar situations and just – 
knowing what they have to go back to after having a week of camp is just heartbreaking. And, like, yeah, I was, like, tired this week, but I think the hardest part for me was Friday, Saturday, just, like, at home, like, just being kind of bummed out. Like, man, I just, I don't know what's going to happen to these kids. And it's kind of hard to trust God, but, like, there's not really much you can do because, I mean, it's not like I can go and be like, yeah, we're going to have, like, five weeks of camp because I'd probably be dead at the end of that. But just keep them in your prayers and stuff. And this is Kay. Kay is amazing. Kay was a counselor, so sun up, sun down, scrapbooks, all of it. Kay. <laughs> so I had a really good week at camp. I was really nervous about going, and I actually almost backed out at the last minute. Um, but I prayed about it a lot and decided I would be really upset with myself if I didn't go. And I'm so glad I did, and now I'm going to go every summer that I'm able to. Um, so we had groups of, I had two girls in my room, and then on my green team, there was another counselor with two girls, and then Sydney was our buddy counselor. So we all kind of did everything together. And I got along with all of our girls, but there was one who was like particularly, I don't say hard-headed, but harder to get along with the same girl that she was just talking about. Um, <clears throat> and she just had a lot of anger, and she wanted it her way right then, or it we might, we only broke one toy. Well, so I feel like that was a win. <laughs> um, but she just wanted things to go her way or she was going to be really frustrated, really upset about it. And so while we were there, we had a Christian rapper come. His name was Diego Fuller. And the kids, I think, really bonded with him because he was a foster kid also. And he had gone to Royal Family Kids Camp. And he, there was a lot of parallels with their life um, that they saw in him. So one of the things he said while he was talking, he said, hurt people, hurt people. And I was like, this is Anaya. Like that, she has only been hurt in her life. She's been in the system since she was two years old. She's never, she's been bounced around so much. And yeah, she's 11 years old now. And so while we were there, people kept saying, where are you going to school? Or what town do you live in? And she's like, I don't know. I don't know. And she was getting really frustrated. And it was so sad because when I heard her story, she didn't know where she was going when she left. She didn't have a placement when she came to camp. And so the second to last day, she's like, let me call my caseworker. Let me call. And she wouldn't get off of it. She's like, please let me call my caseworker. And I'm like, sorry, hon, I don't have, like, we couldn't have our phones on, our, on us the whole time. Like, I don't have a phone. I'm so sorry. Like, let's talk to the director. So we talked to the director. And we talked to the social worker. She was able to call her caseworker, and she found out that she had a placement to go to when she left. So I feel like that day really changed for her. She was excited. She had hope. Um, so that made me feel really good. Just I ask you guys to pray for her, though, because this will be her fourth placement in three months, and she is one of those kids that's really hard for people to get along with, and she makes it hard because I don't think she knows how to live any other way. So if you could just pray for her that she could find her forever home, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> oh, you guys, thank you so much. I am, you made, you made us proud. I was so proud of all of you guys. You'd be like, yeah, these are my team. So anyway, you can have a seat, and thank you for sharing your story. I, um, actually, the gal she's talking about, um, really it took the whole camp, really, to kind of corral her. And she was having a meltdown, and so I was just kind of following her around because she wasn't having any of it. And so me and the social worker were just following her around while she was demanding to talk to the, her caseworker. 
And like, and I'm not, if I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I was frustrated and I'm tired because I'm like, can you just be nice? Like, can you just be nice? That's what I'm thinking. And then they get the, fo- they give her the phone, and I, me, and the social worker standing, and we turn our back to her so that she can have, tri- you know, the some privacy talking to her caseworker. And I stood there and I listened to this 11-year-old girl answer questions about camp. She's like, yeah, yeah. She's like, but please, can you just let me ask my question? Could you please tell me, do I have a family yet? I'm just standing right there. And, you know, do you have a place for me to go yet? It's crazy, you guys. So I did a lot of this this week where I just put my sunglasses on so that I'm not crying. I just need my sunglasses on. There was another, there was, uh, when we first got to First Assembly and I was receiving the kids, they're like, just just entertain them in the gym while we wait for the bus. So literally it was like, okay. Like one of the, this this same girl, um, I met her and she was like, all she wanted to talk about was, my brother's going to be here. My brother's going to be here. My brother's going to be here. Like, there's, there were two um, sets of siblings who were all spread out in foster care homes all across the town, and they were going to get to be together at camp. And that was, like, like I knew from right then, I was like, oh, great, the waterworks, it's going to be, this is going to be rough. Um, one of the other things that was kind of cool is one of the songs we would sing is, I'm not forgotten, God knows my name. And all the songs were real upbeat. We didn't do, like, slow songs. But um, one of the lines in the song is, he's father to the fatherless. And I'm in the front row next to Katie, and we're just dancing and singing a song. And she just stops and just, like, with, like, with joy, she goes, <gasps> I'm fatherless. That means God's my father. Like, like the ha- like as happy as you could be. Like she, like a light bulb went on, and like, <gasps> I'm fatherless. That means God's my father. And I'm like, Katie, yes, you got it. That's right. He is your dad. He loves you so much. I, uh, I had to, honestly, I had to leave the camp pretty much every day to go to Walmart to get some supplies for the service that I would do the next morning. And I would sit in the parking lot, and um, I, would, like, I, would cr- I was able to cry in the car and I, because I knew the stories behind these kids. And they're just, I don't know, like they come in and they're just sweet, beautiful children. They're not, they're not scary. They're not, I mean, so many of them, I look at them and I see my own kids and their faces. And so... I remember I, one day in particular, I was in the car and I went by McDonald's and I'm eating my feelings. <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus, I just want to go home. And I don't want to, I just want to not feel this anymore. And I felt like God was like, yeah, I, this is how I feel about my kids all the time. He sees all the abuse. He sees all that's happening. He's like, because of the way I've set it up, I've, 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 I've made you, and I've given you free will. And you can do what you want. You can choose to love me, or you can choose to reject me. You can choose how you're going to behave. And so, like, this is happening. And somebody should do something, right? Chris and I, used, we watched this show one time, and they're at a dinner, like, a, there's a d- dinner party going on, and somebody spills uh, water on the floor, and the guy is like, somebody should get a towel. And the lady standing next to him is like, why would you say that? Why, why don't you just, why would you say somebody should get a towel? You're a jerk saying somebody should get a towel. You should just go get a towel. And so somebody should get a towel. 
And so we'll joke, and you know, at home, we'll be like, somebody should get a towel. And I felt like this, I'm just like, God is saying to us, hey, somebody should get a towel. Somebody should do something. And we have, we have loved the foster kids from afar for a very long time. From the very beginning, you know, we wanted to help uh, the foster parents who were here in town, and we wanted to help the children who were in the system. And so we have, you know, you all know we've done the foster tree for five years, and now we literally are buying Christmas presents for every single foster child in Bloomington Normal. Like, we're doing that. And God is calling us to more. One very, very cool, like, God detail. I mean, this was like a little cherry on top of the Sunday. You know, we've been purchasing presents, and we've been doing that, and we get their first name and their ages. And you all know, you probably, those of you who you were here when we launched Nexus Church, remember Chad Bar. Well, Chad and Sophie are there with Nexus, with the church that we planted back in January, and Chad was one of the counselors, and he had Mark in his room, Mar- Marquez, but he goes by Mark now. And Mark actually just got adopted like two weeks ago. And so Mark was there, and he was with Chad all week. And they're playing, and, and, they're, and he said they were talking about video games all week, and he's talking about his Nintendo Switch and, you know, all that he did on his Nintendo Switch. And literally, Chad was like, after he was released back to his, uh, to his mom, he's like, oh, my word. Last Christmas, Chad and Sophie bought a Nintendo Switch for a little boy named Marquez. And Marquez was in Chad's group. And Chad got to hang out with Marquez all week and hear about his obsession with his Switch. Like, isn't that just a God moment? Isn't that just cool? Like, he orchestrated that. And that was just, that was so awesome. But I... I feel like God has really been, it, even before camp, um, just dealing with me about how Jesus feels about children and about how Jesus feels about the orphans and the widows, the kids in general, but especially the orphans and the widows. And uh, I told this story the last day about how Jesus uh, was teaching and everybody wanted to be around Jesus because he told great stories. And so he was like a celebrity. I'm like, he's like Diego. Like everybody wanted to be around a Diego. The disciples, um, there were some kids who came forward. Their parents were, wanted Jesus to bless the children. You probably have heard this story. And in Mark's account, when he's writing this story, he says, when Jesus saw that the disciples were trying to keep them away from Jesus, don't bother them, you know, Jesus with the kids. Let him be, you know, leave him alone. And when Jesus saw this, when he saw that people were trying to keep kids away from him, it said he was angry. And so, like, if you want to make keep kids out of his presence, keep kids from him, you know, make, to, to me, he's like, you know, make your, make your kids uh, ministry just, just child care. You know, that, that would make Jesus angry, right? Because he wants kids to be in his presence. And in James, you know, it says, your true religion True religion is how do you treat the orphans and the widows. And so 
I don't know what the answer is going to be for you personally. But I can't unsee this. I can't unsee all these faces of these kids. Very afraid of what was coming. There was one girl that um, actually couldn't ride the bus back because they hurt. she was going to go to a new place. She didn't know where she was going, but it was in Champaign. And so the director, Wendy, um, and the nurse had to drive her uh, to her to her caseworker in Champaign. And all the way home, she was begging them, please, please, please don't make me. Please, would one of you keep me? Would one of you keep me? Please, would one of you keep me? And then they had to, when they got there, she wouldn't get out of the car, and they had to physically remove her from the car and place her in the back seat of her caseworker's car. And she was kicking and became very, we, we never saw any violence. We never saw any like real tantrums, and she was fighting, fighting, and then as I drove away, she was pressing her face against the glass, just begging Wendy to please take her home. And so I am just forever changed. And so, you know, I'm going to be at camp next year, pretty sure we're going to get certified so that we can figure out maybe if foster parents need a break, that, you know, we could be a place where they could, uh, kids could come for a weekend or for some time. We're not sure exactly where God is directing in that, but that's a thing. We're going to get certified. We're going to make the foster tree awesome. And we're going to make our kids' ministry amazing because you know what? We don't know what kids are here in our church. We don't know what kids are going to come through our door. But when they come into that room over there, they're going to be treated like they're royal. They're going to be told who they are in Christ. And, and we're going to give our very best. Everybody who went to camp got a little starfish pin for your first year of camp. And this is the starfish story. This is what the director of RFK, that's, this is what he gives us. And here's the, the poem that goes with the starfish. She says, um, while walking on the beach one day, I saw a starfish by the shore. And everywhere I looked, it seemed, I saw a thousand more. Then what to prize appeared? A boy of nine or ten. As the starfish washed ashore, he threw them back again. I smiled with such a futile task to save this population. One fish won't make a difference, son. You can't change this situation. He stopped and picked one up. up <laughs> he stopped and picked up one more fish. Then looking right at me, I can't make a diff I can make a difference for this one, sir, and returned it to the sea. So I went and gathered all my friends, my brothers and my cousins. We joined with that little boy and saved starfish by the dozens. There are so many to be rescued, many starfish on life shore. Let's make a difference like that lad by saving just one more. Would you stand to your feet? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And Lord, we just lift up every kid who is in the foster care system in our city and in our county. Lord, we pray that you would protect them. We pray that you would guide them. We pray, Lord, that this year at school would be a good one, God. Give them good teachers. Give them uh, people who will love them and care for them. God bless their foster parents, Lord. Give them a heart for them to love them. And Lord, would you to just be sad for them. 
Lord, would you call us to action? And Lord, would you tell us what the one thing is that we can do? Because Lord, we really want to make a difference. We want to be about what you're about. So Lord, we ask you for your direction and for your help. Thank you, Jesus, for letting us be a part of taking care of your kids. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So our hospitality team is going to come. We want to give you guys an opportunity to give. And, uh, and here's the thing. This is what you give towards. This is what we give to you to make God accessible to everyone. And our heart, we've always had a heart for kids in foster care just has always been, and I think that the experience of Royal Family Kids and, and hearing some of these things distilled, and I'll be totally honest, like, even just what you heard today, this is, this is just, like, big picture impressions, and so everyone who is there is just trying to, like, they're trying to drink a watermelon through a straw, you know what I mean? It's like they're trying to distill this massive week of experience and trying to communicate something to you about how God completely transformed their heart. I mean, my daughter is 16, and she loves Breakaway Teen Camp. Teen camp is an incredible experience, and it is a blast with the kids who go. Uh, and, you know, it's just a, an awesome deal. She loves it. It's one of her favorite things in the world. And this morning, she was, kind of, I, she was talking to people about RFK and, and talking to someone and how they need to go to RFK next year. And Cameron said this. She said, you can take breakaway camp and throw it in the garbage. If I had to do it in order to go to RFK, I would. That's how transformative this was. And I was in a position... Where I got to hear stuff secondhand, um, and and I mean, truthfully, like the experience of hearing those things is, I mean, it's hit me in the heart, not maybe almost as much as it's hit them, and and I think that like the, the story, like the stories of kids, the stories that you didn't hear, that you didn't hear the story of the boy who's going into fifth grade, whose dad tried to kill him by throwing him off a roof, who was a royal family kids camp. And you didn't hear about how smart he was and how joyful he was and what a wonderful kid he was. And you didn't hear his story about that. And you didn't hear the story about how he wore his NASA baseball cap all week because he loves space and he loves NASA. And how his counselor said on the morning that they left, he took that cap off and you could see him just hardening himself to prepare to go home to where he was going to be, to what he was going to face. You didn't hear the story of the fifth grade little girl who's been sexually abused by her father for years until finally there's intervention and he's in prison. You didn't hear about how this little girl's mom has been writing letters to this little girl's dad in prison and sneaking out letters from him, little love letters to this little fifth grade girl. You didn't hear how this mom is talking about how when he gets out that they can't wait to be a family again. And you didn't hear about this fifth grade girl's little first grade sister who learned to ride a bike for the first time at Royal Family Kids. These are stories, there's so many stories that we could tell that we just, we don't have the time to even get across. You didn't hear about the multiple kids, just so many kids who had no idea where they were going after camp. They didn't know if they had a home to go to, they didn't know if they were going to end up in a group home. You didn't know the places they were going to land. It's just the last thing I want to share before we give, and I'm, we're going we're to do that this morning. Last thing is that was there's a story. Um, the social worker who was there, she went to ISU, and she met an ISU student who had been involved 
um, in counseling and doing stuff with Royal Family Kids before. And, and as he, he was telling her his story, she found this out, that he was in Royal Family Kids when he was a kid in foster care. And that he had, for every year that he went, he had his scrapbook of all the pictures. And when this kid came to ISU, to college, that in his room was decorated with all of his Royal Family Kids Camp pictures. His room was decorated by the scrapbooks of the people who had invested in him, the people who had said, you are worth something, you are worth love, and you are worth care. And those are the things that he's carried with him through his life, and those are the things that he's carrying with him into his future. And we have the opportunity to do the same, because there are kids in our community and kids in our region, kids on our front porch and their stories are being written. Stories of sexual abuse, stories of physical abuse, stories of neglect. And there are being stories written in wet concrete. And we have the opportunity to step into their story. And God's saying this today, will you do it? Will you step into this kid's story and change the trajectory of their life? Will you change the story, the outcome that they're going to tell someday when they stand in front of people? And God's asking us to do it. Will you do it? So, two things you can do today. One is we're going to give. And you can give towards this. And second, out at the lobby, we've got a Royal Family Camp Kids Camp table. Now, I know it's going to be literally a year before we have another Royal Family Kids Camp. But if even in the slightest way you feel like God talking to you a little bit, we wanted some sort of action step. I mean, we're probably, we're even looking at, we're looking at doing foster care parent training if, if people wanted to do that. But just one action step today. If God is speaking to your heart, go to the lobby, sign up, put your name on the sheet to sign up that you are interested in Royal Family Kids Camp next year. And so when it comes around next year, we just we have your name and number to reach out to you. Take that step. Don't miss this opportunity. God's speaking to your heart now for a reason. So let's not miss out on what he wants to do in us today. Amen? Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for what you did this week. And God, even though, to be totally honest, it breaks my heart thinking about those kids who have gone back to the situations that they started after this week of camp, God, I know that for a week they had an opportunity for you to lift them up. And Lord, I know you love and you care about these kids, Lord, and I know this, that you have called your church to care for widows and to care for orphans. And Lord, these are modern day orphans, kids who are marginalized and neglected, and they are here in our community. They're not just in Africa, they're not overseas, they are here. And I pray, Father, that you would use every dime that we give this morning, that you would use every, every ounce of our care and devotion to you, Lord, to make you accessible to these kids in our community, Lord. We pray all of this in your awesome and holy name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.